Today's episode of Duncan Holder is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to dunkholder.robinhood.com. That's dunkholder.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield or uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat who dat stuff? Who dat? You know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our our, our chant. Duncan Holder Podcast here with you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, if you're listening to this pod, uh, you're A, a subscriber to The Athletic, which we, of course, appreciate. But also B, you could also be listening to us through Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. So you can go, of course, rate, review, subscribe, tell all your friends, jump on here uh, as the Duncan Holder Podcast moves along into one of the greatest nights, arguably the greatest night in the history of LSU sports and one of the greatest nights in college football history as LSU wins the national championship, beats Clemson, of course, reigning national champion. LSU wins 42-25, to of course, winning their third National championship in the Superdome here in New Orleans and fourth overall. First one since 2007. And of course, we all remember the 2011 debacle, and that's long gone. And, and Jeff, you and me knew this team, once we saw them beat Texas, was going to be a tough team for a lot of college football to handle. And as the season went on and went on and went on, this team just got better and better and better. And it feels like we just kept saying the same things over and over. The the greatness of Joe Burrow and the incredible story of Ed Ogeron. And, and then as the season progressed, LSU's defense got better and the story never stopped. And now we're to the point where LSU, 15-0, and 0, uh, Heisman Trophy winner, probable for number one overall pick with Joe Burrow, Ed Ogeron's comeback story as a coach, and so many uh, amazing pieces to this puzzle to where LSU is now, once again, a national champion. Yeah, Larry, and I think the conversation has turned from not just that LSU won a national championship. I mean, we're, we're now talking about where do they rank among the greatest college football pro, uh, seasons and teams in the history of the sport. And that, that's just remarkable considering uh, where they started the season, 
Uh, you know, Joe Burrow was preseason third team All SEC uh, by the media. Shows what we know. Uh, but the, this season exceeded everyone's expectations, and I would say probably everyone in the LSU football program, except for maybe Joe Burrow, who who came out and said that they were going to score 40 and 50 points a game and everybody rolled their eyes. And we were at the Manning Passing Academy when he said that in June. And uh, I don't think anyone could have envisioned a perfect season and really a perfect ending dethroning the defending champions in such authoritative fashion. And I think I just saw something today, Larry, where the LSU beat the three or four uh, preseason top-ranked teams along the way this season, and they beat them by an average of 21 points. I mean, that's just astounding. And you just look at where they went through the schedule. I mean, we're going to dive into this game, of course, uh, but when you win a national championship, it's about the journey, too. And so, uh, look, you beat Texas, you beat Florida, you beat Auburn, you beat Georgia, you beat Alabama, you beat Oklahoma, you beat Clemson. Name a, a school maybe that you missed that's a traditional heavy hitter in college football. I mean, hey, if LSU wanted to go beat, say, Notre Dame and USC, I'm sure they'd say, hey, I dare you guys to come play us. And they'll probably say, nah, we're good. So you, they've beaten a who's who in college football, a who's who in college football coaches. It's one of the most remarkable runs for a team that well, a lot of people, like you said, uh, Probably didn't think this was going to happen. And sure, Joe Burrow might have said that they're going to score a lot of points, but does that still result in winning a lot of games? And obviously that's been the case. And Jeff, you and me have been along for this for for much of the ride uh, throughout the 2019 season. And yet it's still, you look at it and we're just removed from the national championship. And I still think people around the program and even within the program are still in some shock that this has actually happened because of the recent memories dating back uh, to the last time LSU played in a a national championship game uh, at the end of 2011 when LSU could not cross the 50 uh, and Alabama took a chokehold on the SEC, and then you saw Clemson swoop in. And if Clemson wins this, then they're the dynasty, and LSU's just this, okay, nice season, and yet where do they go from here? Totally different story that LSU was really just able to impose what they wanted to do against one of the best programs in all of college football. Yeah, I thought your column today was spot on. I mean, everyone's going to focus, obviously, on Joe Burrow and – uh, you know, his heroics, and rightfully so. I mean, he lit up a great defense, a well-coached defense, a, a defense that's got future NFL players all over it. Uh, Joe Burrow clearly is the difference maker uh, on this team. But the, D- the LSU defense, the improvement they made uh, late in the season from where they were midseason to the end, and the improvement they made in the game itself and, and how much better they played in the final, say, two-and-a-half quarters or three quarters – uh, was remarkable, and that's a testament to the players and to Dave Aranda. And I think what we what we see here, if we want to pull back the lens, Larry, is you know the realization of the potential of LSU's football program. I mean, this is the program. Uh, what we've seen this season is what Nick Saban envisioned when he left Michigan State 
to come south to Baton Rouge. Uh, he knew that this program was a sleeping giant, and he made it into a, a dynasty when he was there, and then he left abruptly, and it took a long time of you know wandering the desert to get back to this potential, and now we, we see it all coming to fruition this season, and I don't think they're going anywhere. I mean, they are a hot program. I think Ed Ogeron uh, is a, a coach that players want to play for, they identify with, family members identify, parents identify with him, and uh, I think the needle is only pointed up. And Clemson's not going anywhere either. Let's let's face it, they've been in the title game now three or four years. Uh, but LSU now is in standing as one of the elite uh, programs in college football. And that's remarkable considering where they were just a few years ago. Yeah, Jeff, it's a good point about Clemson. It's not like they were just this one-hit wonder that's gotten here. They've been there plenty enough times uh, over the last four years uh, I think I've seen Vegas odd makers already put them as the favorite going into next season. Uh, but I do also think that goes to show you, and might as well piggyback off my column uh, going forward, it does go to show you that how LSU's defense did play a role in this. I mean, they limited Trevor Lawrence, who was the perennial, well, who everyone thought, if he came out after last year, he'd be the number one overall pick. Of course, he couldn't after his true freshman season. And people assume he's going to be the 2021 number one overall pick uh, for a quarterback needy team. And yet, they limited him to his worst game of the year. Uh, he had his worst passer rating of the year. Jamar Chase, Raider Pride, Proud Roma alum over here, he had nearly had more receiving yards than Trevor Lawrence had passing yards. I mean, that just goes to show you uh, what LSU's defense was able to do uh, by slowing him down and making him feel uncomfortable. And Jeff, like other quarterbacks in this run that they've had these past four games, Trevor Lawrence didn't even complete 50% of his passes, like Kellen Mond, like Jake Fromm, like Jalen Hurts. Same thing, and maybe LSU wins in a shootout uh, in some of these games, uh, but the fact that defensively uh, they were able to get right and get healthy and and pull the right punches uh, throughout these four games, that makes it for the complete package, which I think can't go... Uh, you don't want to understate that. They are more of a complete team than maybe some people are going to realize and uh, and look back on this team in the next couple of years. Well, I think Nick Saban pretty much uh, was spot on in his pregame prediction on the broadcast. He he said that the team that wins this game will be the one that affects the quarterback the most. And I thought that clearly was LSU. I mean, they should take that film, this game film, Larry, and and use it as a case study and how to affect a quarterback and it shows up uh, it does not necessarily show up all the time in sack totals or even quarterback hits it shows up in how you can rush the passer I mean to me uh, Lawrence seemed skittish throughout I mean he, he at one point he had 13 or 14 overthrows and I think that was all because the, his clock got sped up and he was rushing and his mechanics were flawed because of the pressure he was feeling. So it doesn't necessarily show up uh, defensively that the, that the pressure was there in the sack totals, uh, but clearly uh, they affected Trevor Lawrence, and that was probably the biggest difference in the game other than, of course, 
Joe Burrow and uh, that great receiving core finally kicking it in. So I, I thought the defense was just as important as the offense in this game. Yeah, Jeff, I think that's a good point. And it's not like they had the big sack totals. They had two sacks. I mean, Joe Burrow was sacked five times. And we know at times that they uh, that LSU had trouble defending the blitz, especially up the middle. But you could tell, even say when Caleb on chase on would get off the ball quickly or uh, – divinity or clark any kind of sense of pressure flustered trevor lawrence and maybe it's not like i've watched every game he's played and obviously he was brilliant last year in the national championship game against alabama but i definitely think that that had something to do with it and lsu's not totally known for being this big pressure pack team but they were able to get it done and i found Dave Aranda's comments, I caught up with him after the game on the field, and his comments to me, it, it was it was really eye-opening to me to where someone in the midst of a game, when it's pressure-packed, and you had 16 days to, to map out a plan against a Clemson team who's beaten everyone in their path the last two years, and you had this plan, maybe it was a little too complex, and when you're down 17-7, he says, all right, Let's get simple. Let's just do base stuff. And the players responded, felt more comfortable. Patrick Queen said it after the game. Once they were able to just scale it back and say, hey, let's play base defense. We don't need to be crazy, totally exotic all the time. And it was able to slow down ATN, slow down those Clemson wide receivers, and make Trevor Lawrence feel uncomfortable. So to adjust like that on the fly in that moment to scale it back, I think kind of takes some gusto to be able to do that rather than just go full bore with the plan. But, I mean, that's why Dave Aranda is one of the best in the country at the defensive coordinator. Well, and it gets back to something we've talked about before on the program, and that is this coaching staff uh, is one of the key factors in, in this remarkable season. Uh, they finally have... Uh, an elite level coaching staff that can match up with the top staffs in the country. And that has to go, uh, the credit has to go to Ed Ogeron. I mean, this is a NFL quality staff. Um, Joe Brady bringing him, him, retaining Dave Aranda, Greg McMahon, Bill Johnson. I mean, all these guys have NFL experience. Dave Aranda probably will end up being an NFL defensive coordinator one day. And, uh, this staff takes a backseat to no one. I mean, Clemson has a great staff. They're, they're one of the best in the country, and LSU matched wits with them and adjusted properly uh, throughout this game. And um, when you can combine great players and great athletes and a great leader like Joe Burrow with this type of X and O acumen, uh, you get a season like we just saw. Absolutely. And we'll dive more into the legend of Joe Burrow, uh, where this team stands in the hierarchy of college football. Jeff, do you think LSU and uh, and UCF, you know, the undefeated UCF team, you think that you know, they should be standing in the same same light, right? You, you know, they. I think I don't. I, I don't think UCF is uh, is going to be saying anything right now. But well, you know, we'll it's talk funny. Is UCF actually played LSU about as well as anybody else did this year when they played them last year in the bowl game. I know they didn't have Joe Brady in this offense then, but. They were, they were as competitive as Clemson was last night almost. And you could technically say this year, well, at least in 2019, now we're at 2020, but yeah, exactly, which is 
Boy, think back to that. Man, we, we're thinking about, oh, wow, they won the Fiesta Bowl, and now LSU is a, a national champion, which is uh, pretty remarkable. So we'll we'll dive more into that in a second. But can you believe it's conference championship week? I mean, you're looking at the Titans and the Chiefs, and, of course, uh, you're talking 49ers and the Packers. But guess what? Time's up for two of the teams playing this weekend. But you still have time to feed your fantasy fix with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch mean more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Just draft your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game Quite like having a free shot at over $750,000 with your first deposit. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with throughout the playoffs. So download the DraftKings app now and use code Run, that's R-U-N, for a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500 on your next deposit. New users, be sure to enter code RUN during sign-up and you'll also get a free shot at over $750,000 with your first deposit. That's code RUN and you can get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings. A minimum $5 deposit is required. Deposit bonus requires a 25-time play through. And eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And so Jeff, Joe Burrow, we've talked about him every podcast, I feel like, on Duncan Holder, especially after a game for LSU. He's just been remarkable. Uh, the greatest college quarterback single season in history. I don't think you even need to put the disclaimer, arguably or potentially. No, it is. And uh, just to see where he's come from. And even after the game, Jeff, of course, the the lasting memory uh, from post game is going to be him smoking a cigar and uh, kind of taking, uh, finally taking a, a load off and, and relaxing, and yet he's still sitting and, and answering questions and c- can't even process totally how far he's come and where his journey's taken him. And this is only uh, the end of the LSU story, but the journey that's ahead for him uh, could be something that I'm sure Ohio natives, Cincinnati natives, Bengals fans are just hoping that this is the springboard to their success and and they're back into NFL contention, just like Joe Burrow brought LSU back into national championship contention. Yeah, it's Joe Burrow's world right now, right? I mean, wouldn't you like to be that that kid? Uh, His future is so bright, and the next uh, few months of his life are going to be a whirlwind. Uh, Not that they haven't been for the past few weeks as well, but... Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's a storybook ending to one of the greatest seasons in college football history. I mean, books are going to be written about this year. 
Uh, they already are in the works. Uh, you know, there's going to be statues erected uh, of Joe Burrow, uh, rightfully so. I mean, what he's done at LSU, it's just an amazing story. No one could have seen this coming. And uh, the way he's handled it, I think, is what's made him even uh, more beloved in the state. Uh, I was reading our colleague Brody Miller's um, account of the game last night, and he reminded me so much, when I say he, Joe Burrow reminded me so much of Drew Brees. And I know we, you and I are both always uh, kind of referencing uh, Saints comparisons, but it's the truth. I mean, Joe Burrow, his poise and his consistency in his leadership, the way he uh, never gets too high, never gets too low, doesn't really show any emotion on the field, is so Brees-like. And I thought it was uh, you know interesting when they met uh, the other day out at the Saints practice facility, how Burroughs said, uh, told Breeze that he was his idol growing up and uh, he's the reason he's a Saints fan. I mean, you can see so many Breeze-like uh, qualities, not only uh, in the tangible skill set, but also the intangibles, the way he plays the quarterback position. And I think it's pretty clear. Look, Joe Brady's gotten a lot of credit this year for what's happened. Clearly, the offense a year ago with Joe Burrow wasn't the same offense as it was this year when Joe Brady came in. So that's the one major difference, and he deserves a lot of the credit. But Joe Burrow is going to be so difficult to replace. Uh, I know they're going to lose a lot of players in the NFL, but Burrow's leadership, all those intangibles, everything involved with him, uh, I don't know if anybody will ever replicate that. Um, and so it's going to be a, a difficult mountain to climb for the for the program going forward. Man, Jeff, Debbie Downer. Wow. I know. You're just snatching it right out from under him. Look, Joe, <laughs> Joe Brady might be gone. Half the team might be gone. Miles Brennan, who never heard of him? No, only kidding. But of course, it's it's something that they're going to have to deal with. I mean, like, and LSU's not a program that's known for restocking at quarterback. I mean, this isn't, say, Oklahoma, where they had Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and you know all these quarterbacks in a row, and just some other programs that you're used to seeing teams churn out quarterbacks. LSU hasn't had that history, so that's certainly something we're going to have to watch. But but Jeff, I do want to, not on purpose, but I'm pretty sure his performance last night deserved a call-out. Jamar Chase, someone who I documented his journey just to even get to LSU uh, earlier this season leading up to the Florida game. And Jamar Chase originally was not going to be going to LSU. Uh, he was going to be going uh, with uh, Jim McElwain to Florida. Then McElwain is fired, and Coach O has to swoop in and recruit hard and and, and vehemently. And I've talked to a lot of people at Rummel uh, over the last few months about that. And I mean, they recruited Jamar extremely hard, and they knew that they needed him. And you, all you have to do is you. Obviously, Justin Jefferson's played well. Terrace Marshall is a five-star who was more highly recruited than Jamar Chase was. But Chase has been the difference maker for much of the season. Bolitnikoff Award winner, and it just seems like I saw a comparison from uh, a draft guru I trust from Bleacher Report, Matt Miller, and he says I see Julio Jones when he sees Jamar Chase. I mean, to me, that is something that you don't throw out there lightly. And I know he doesn't throw out there lightly. And uh, he's come from being a secondary piece last year 
to the best receiver in college football, Jeff? Well, he was beating A.J. Terrell, a future NFL player. He was beating him like a drum last night. I mean, a very good player, a guy that's going to get drafted very high, uh, and he was no match for Jamar Chase. Uh, And I think he's easily the best receiver they've had since uh, Odell Beckham Jr. He may eventually, you know, eclipse his accomplishments because he's bigger and he's just more dynamic. I've never seen a guy that can has the whole package like he has at LSU. Um, And his performance, I think, on that stage with all the pressure on him, with Clemson basically the way they were defending LSU – uh, it was basically going to be man-to-man on the perimeter, and the best man was going to win. They, they were basically challenging uh, LSU's receivers to beat them one-on-one, and they did quite often, and usually it was Jamar Chase. And that was something Clemson just could not – probably has probably not seen this season. When they line up against most teams, uh, they match up physically, but just shows you uh, sometimes it comes down to X's and O's, and sometimes it comes down to just flat-out – studs and uh, Jamar Chase is definitely a stud and Joe Burrow said after the game that he started realizing maybe after the third second possession that they were just gonna go one-on-one coverage with Chase and he was stunned that that was the way they were operating and so he said until you change I'm gonna keep going to Jamar Chase because my guy is gonna beat your guy and it never changed and it, it, it was pretty remarkable just to see the chess match of LSU trying to counteract the blitz because it was a problem early and start the second half uh, Joe Burrow didn't want to admit he was hurt looked maybe a little bit hurt uh, but he was a little sheepish and they were blitzing up the middle and it's second half started again kind of like the first except LSU had the lead this time but they had to figure things out again and uh, the chess match that they were able to implement to overcome some of Clemson's uh, tactics that were working early, uh, I think is is certainly a kudos to Burrow and the coaching staff and, and just being able to adjust on the fly. Just like Aranda adjusted on the fly, just to go a little bit more basic, uh, they were starting to catch on to what Clemson was trying to do. Yeah, and they did that all year. Uh, you know, if you watch their games, attended their games, they often, uh, because they were so efficient offensively, defenses would come up with completely new game plans, give them looks that they had not seen all season early on, and it would take the LSU staff and Joe Burrow a few series to figure it all out, but then they would get rolling. It, it happened a number of times this season. And uh, look, I, I think Burrow, uh, you know, again, going back to the Breeze comparison, but he throws the ball to covered receivers all the time. It, it's in man-to-man situations, and his accuracy and ability to diagnose the defense and read the correct matchup uh, is so advanced for a guy his age, uh, and that's the difference for LSU. You've got a guy that can uh, accurately get the ball out there, even though Chase was obviously beating his man. I mean, those throws were remarkable. And uh, that's what's going to be so hard to replicate. I'm not being Debbie Downer here. I'm just saying what we saw was basically an NFL-level quarterback playing in college is is what it felt like to me and what it looked like. Uh, And I don't know if we're ever going to see that again. He's so advanced uh, for his age. And I think having one class this year as a graduate transfer, uh, allowing him basically to spend – 
every day at the LSU facility, uh, almost like a coach, uh, just showed in the way way Joe Burrow prepared and uh, played this season. Uh, it was it was something uh, special that I don't know if we'll ever see again. Yeah, Jeff, I don't think you're actually being Debbie Downer because uh, you got to find the most accurate quarterback in college football history to replace Joe Burrow. I don't think those are out there all the time. And it's, uh, you know, it, now you're going to be uh, the Drew Brees spoiled uh, version. You're going to be so spoiled with Joe Burrow. Uh, what happens next? And we still haven't seen that yet with Drew Brees just because he's been around for so long. But now it's saying, okay, life after Joe, what happens? I mean, that's something I know you and me are going to be heavily keeping an eye on as we go forward. But, Jeff, before we end this edition of the Duncan Holder podcast, we've got to weigh in on where LSU stands. I'm not saying a program history is the best season they've ever had in the history of LSU sports. I know they've won baseball national championships, you name it. They, they've done all of this, and yet this is the best in LSU sports history, there's no arguing there. Now, college football history, where do you think this team stands? Uh, because you could look at Clemson's team last year, and they're probably within the argument, also 15-0. The 2013 Florida State team, uh, Jimbo Fisher's national championship, they went 14-0. Uh, you know, Auburn in 2010 went 14 and 0. Bama in 2009, 14 and 0. Texas, that Vince Young team, went 13 and 0. And then you could go back, Miami, and then Ohio State in 2001, 2002. You know, there's been a lot of undefeated national championship teams, but uh, where do you think this one? stacks up you got to also include the nebraskas of the mid 90s and and their dominant performances but where do you think this team stacks up in that list as of right now well you know it's hard to say who is the best i mean this reminds me a little bit of what we have to do in the hall of fame selection committee room when we're trying to measure uh, the greatest players in nfl history across different eras and at different positions and you're trying to say, okay, who's a better running back from the 70s than a right guard from the 90s? I mean, it's just it's very difficult uh, to do. And I feel like this is going to be another exercise that a lot of people are going to perform here in the next uh, few days. And I think you have to say they rank right at the top with the greatest teams ever. There's no doubt. I mean, the 1971 Nebraska team I know is often ranked up there. The 2004 USC team with um, Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush. I, I can remember the that great Miami team. I think it was a Jimmy Johnson team, maybe. Um, Might have been with Shockey and uh, you know Bryant McKinney and Ed Reed. I mean, there was like I think that team had players on their third string that ended up being high NFL draft picks. And I'm pretty sure I think uh, Frank Gore might have been on that team. They had players that three or four. They're going to be Hall of Famers. Uh, so I, I you know. I think time will tell, but what they accomplished in this game and in this season uh, ranks up with anyone. I mean, the fact that they beat the other three or four, I can't remember the actual stat, three, third or four. I think it was Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, and um, Oklahoma. Yeah, so it would have been four. The four top-ranked teams in the preseason AP poll, they beat all four of them by an average of 21 points. 
I, I can't think of anyone that's ever done anything like that and been that dominant. So you'd have to say they rank with the best teams in, in history. Yeah, and you're mentioning the Miami teams, the Jimmy Johnson team that was in 87 with uh, Vinny Testaverde, and then the other Miami team in 2001. That was with Shockey and Vilma and, and that crew. Yeah, Larry uh, and, Coker, and so, I'm sorry. Yes, and with Larry Coker as the coach. But, but Jeff, the resume for LSU, I think, puts them in firmly in that conversation of uh, one of the, I'd say, top five. I mean, I think I'm being generous. Top five, or, or I'm being conservative, excuse me. Top five single seasons in college football history uh, because of uh, the stats you said and the schedule they played and the teams that they beat. I mean, and it's also, it's a different era in that you don't go just play a bowl game say you you're, you're number one in the country and you just go play a sugar bowl and it's against who knows who the team is you know it could just be like some random team that won their conference and then voters have to vote to see who wins I mean the fact that you have a college football playoff you play the best of the best spot at the end of the season not just once but probably maybe twice and I mean Oklahoma may not have been the best of the best but still you play Clemson uh, you won at Bama, uh, you beat Auburn, uh, you beat a top 10 Texas team on the road, uh, you, you whip Georgia uh, in Atlanta, you can go on and on and on, beat a, a good Florida team, and you could just go on and on, and you you, you match up resumes, and LSU's is going to rank among the best ever. I mean, I, I, again, that's I don't think you even need to put arguably, it will rank among the best ever. Yeah, I 100% agree. The the you make a great point about having to go through a playoff that other teams didn't have to do, and that is why that playoff has been set up to where we get a true champion. And there's one thing that's true of this season, and I think it speaks to the authoritativeness of the title. Joe Burrow was the most lopsided winner of the Heisman Trophy ever. I mean, it was a case-closed argument that he was the best player in college football, and there's absolutely no doubt that LSU is the most dominant team. I don't think we've ever seen a team as dominant in the last few years uh, against not only that schedule from the college football playoff, but they emerged out of the SEC West division, which is without question the most competitive division of any college conference, uh, loaded with great coaches, NFL caliber talent uh, uh, on almost every team. Uh, So they had to go through that gauntlet just to get to the SEC championship game first. And then you've got to beat a Georgia team, an Oklahoma team, uh, and a Clemson team to win it all. Yeah, pretty pretty remarkable. And they did it in dominant fashion each time out. I'm wondering if Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach realize what they've got themselves into at Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Just saying. Yeah, Pretty good tough point. sledding. <laughs> good, very good Especially point. Especially because <laughs> – well, you better put on your big boy coming. pants, right? You know, I mean, exactly. like you, this this division is with you know, and you know that Nick Saban, after being humiliated this year, uh, relatively humiliated, uh, they're going to come back. Uh, they will be back next year in force. Uh, so this thing is going to be wild. This SEC West race now going forward because Auburn's always competitive. I think A and M is going to be competitive with. Uh, Jimbo over there. Uh, it's going to be fun to cover the SEC West in the next few years. It's pretty Im- remarkable. Four coaches in the SEC West. Uh, well, 
Gus Malzahn did not win a national championship, but Auburn has in recent memory. And so pretty remarkable to see what's going to be ahead next. So uh, incredible season, one for the history books. I know people in this part of the country will always remember it. And what's next? Curious to find out. So uh, I'm sure people will be ready to go once college football comes next year. But that's going to wrap up this edition of the Dunk and Holder podcast. Of course, uh, appreciate all the listens. Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. Tell a friend, tell 20, tell a thousand. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, also, of course, theathletic.com slash New Orleans, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. Uh, tremendous coverage. I could just say being a part of the coverage team over the last several weeks, covering LSU a lot, uh, our, our coverage was uh, unmatched from the the past few games and especially uh, Monday night's college football playoff national championship game. Tremendous coverage by some of the best in the business. Uh, so proud to work here and so much great work being done here. So get on board theathletic.com. So for Jeff, I'm Larry. Thanks for joining us. And our next podcast will be next week. And we will jump heavy into the Saints offseason. We have yet to do that. Lots to talk about there. We will do that on next week's podcast. And that will be a freebie. So go check all of that out. So for Jeff, for Larry, thanks to Danielle, our awesome producer, uh, for putting up with us on a Tuesday morning. So, But we will be back next week with another edition of the Duncan Holder Podcast here on the Athletics Podcast Network. <laughs>